This week on Plastic Science, a Harry Potter metaphor, pillowcase mites, and the curse of the Celts. Welcome back to Plastic Science. This week we're going to tackle the holy trinity of inflammatory skin problems, rosacea, psoriasis, and eczema. Inflamed, angry skin is sometimes sore, it's itchy, it's annoying to put ointments on and have it rubbed off by clothes or bedding, etc. But it can also be bad for the psyche. These factors, and more, earn this trifecta of skin disorders a spot on the podcast. I'm going to start by describing your everyday, run-of-the-mill dermatitis. It's what happens to anyone when they encounter an irritant, like poison ivy. The inflammatory reaction in the skin is triggered and is only there as long as the irritant is, so once you climb out of the nettle bed, the skin can start to heal itself and neutralise back to normal. The thing is, dermatitis is externally stimulated, but for rosacea, psoriasis and eczema, the irritation problem comes from within, and sometimes it's really hard to identify. And even when it is identified, it can be really hard to treat. Rosacea usually just affects the face in triggerable, blotchy red patches. Psoriasis can affect your entire body and result in itchy, red, scaly plaques. Eczema can localise itself on the joints of the body and can also be itchy. This episode, I'll try my best to define them and explain why whatever treatment gives whatever relief it does. Before writing this show, I thought I had all three of these, but it turns out it's just two. I'm going to start with my personal favourite, and that's rosacea. Clinical presentation is generally in adults over 30. Rosacea is usually contained to the face, especially your nose or cheeks, causing flushing. It flares up and down, depending on a maddening amount of triggers, which we'll get to. Rosacea flares can be accompanied by persistent redness of central areas of the face, and in some people, telangiectasia, which is the medical term for spider veins, especially in the skin at the base of the nose. Okay, it's been called the curse of the Celts. I'm not making this up. Rosacea is especially prevalent among the individuals of Irish descent, which is just fantastic. In the US alone, more than 16 million are affected by rosacea, which might actually help explain all the Americans that are like a quarter Irish. Worldwide incidences of rosacea peak as high as 18%. I've compiled a list of known rosacea triggers, sunlight, hairspray, heat, spicy foods, stress, alcohol, caffeine, exercise. A collection as arbitrary as moonlight walks, February 29th, dubstep, apple juice, and hot tubs. This wide range of triggers and the mystery surrounding rosacea's origins makes it really difficult to treat. There are so many possible causes being researched and I honestly got so overwhelmed thinking of how to describe them to you. The role of genetics, immune system, environmental triggers. But the one I do want to highlight is the Demodex mite. Demodex folliculorum is a species of facial mite found in the pilosebaceous units of humans. The pilosebaceous unit is just a term for the hair follicle sweat gland duo. The demodex mites live off the oils secreted therefrom. Individuals with rosacea have a higher density of demodex on their skin compared to those without rosacea. And when the mites were removed, the rosacea symptoms decreased. So there we have at least one controllable trigger. This is so horrifying to consider, but we just have to do the work here. The mites secrete something called chitin, or chitin if you're from the south. It's very similar to cellulose found in plants 
we humans don't have enzymes that can break down chitin. So instead, the keratinocytes of our epidermis react to the chitin by producing a lot of inflammatory chemicals like TNF-alpha. TNF-alpha is the powerful factor responsible for acne. More info in my podcast about retinol if you're curious. Making matters worse, when the demodex mites die, they release their bacteria, and this serves to attract many more inflammatory cells to the area, giving us the red, inflamed skin of rosacea. There is evidence that a genetic predisposition makes your epidermis react so extremely to demodex mites, in which case one's best bet would be to try and rid as many mites as possible from one's life. If you've ever had head lice as a child, first, my sympathy, Second, you might recall smelling tea tree oil as whatever poor soul took care of your scalp. Tea tree oil kills demodex mites and their eggs. There's even a recommendation to boil wash pillowcases with a teaspoon of tea tree oil, because these fuckers live on bedding too. Topical tea tree oil to the face is known to decrease the harshness of rosacea. (laughs) Excuse me. And it might be a cheap, easy fix for someone. Moving on to psoriasis. The word psoriasis is Greek for being itchy, Sora, itch, and iasis action. It's an autoimmune disorder affecting about 3% of the world's population. It isn't contagious, but it is chronic, meaning long-term. It's classed into five kinds, plaque, guttate, inverse, postular, and erythrodermic, with plaque being the most common, 90% of all cases. So we'll focus on plaque psoriasis. It generally affects the undersides of the arms, scalp, shins, and abdomen. And the word plaque refers to the presentation, red raised skin with white scales on top. I'm going to use a Harry Potter analogy here. I'm quite happy with it. And here it is. Harry, Ron, Hermione and Griphook break into Bellatrix the Strange's vault at Gringotts. Everything looks normal in the vault at first, just a collection of items. And then one of them touches a goblet. It suddenly explodes into many more searing hot goblets. If any item is disturbed in the vault, it bursts into multiple more. That action leads to a big knock-on effect of hot metal items that just multiply and multiply. And that's psoriasis, skin that looks normal, but when it's damaged in any way, the inflammation is unlimited, out of control, and it causes keratinocytes to multiply more and more. This disease is autoimmune because it's fueled by a faulty immune system. This kind of loss of control of cell division doesn't occur with functional immunity. And so these plaques are raised and flaky because the cells of the epidermis are just multiplying. It usually takes 28 to 30 days to replace out the cells of the skin, but in psoriasis, that's happening on a scale of three to five days, about six times as fast. In terms of triggers, cold weather, beta blockers, as in blood pressure medicine, and ironically enough, anti-inflammatory drugs can trigger psoriasis too. Just like rosacea, there's no real fixer cure However, some things can be done to try to control it, namely sunshine. Vitamin D and ultraviolet light reduces the severity, and some people even use immunosuppressants to try and tamp down the symptoms. The reason psoriasis is so itchy is because the inflammation is neurogenic inflammation. It's when pro-inflammatory chemicals are released directly from the nerve endings to initiate inflammation. This is very problematic given how many nerve endings are in the skin, pumping in these pro-inflammatory markers. Think of it as the sprinkler system in a building spraying kerosene instead of water. So powerful is this nervous system connection that researchers observed a disappearance of psoriasis plaques when anesthesia was given. 
The current research says that in the future, we can treat psoriasis with scopolamine and propofol. Scopolamine is used to treat motion sickness, and propofol is a devastatingly powerful anesthetic, the same one that Michael Jackson used to take to fall asleep. So obviously this isn't a wash your pillowcase with tea tree oil situation. Still though, the research continues to try to help people manage life with this really difficult skin disorder. Lastly today is eczema, also not contagious, also long-term. As with all these skin conditions, there are grades of severity. It's a condition where the skin becomes red, rough, and can sometimes crack open. It's also called atopic dermatitis. The underlying cause of it is an imperfect epidermal barrier. I mean, a defective layer of keratinocytes that lets things in and out of the skin. We can imagine the effects here are two-way. An epidermis that has gaps can allow bacteria from the outside world in and can allow water out. The result of this is inflamed, dehydrated skin. Eczema is typically treated with a steroid cream to control the inflammation and a fragrance-free moisturiser to try and replace the lost water. For any nighttime itching, it's recommended to take an antihistamine because not being able to fall asleep due to itching is just a really awful thing to consider. It's even worse if you're an itchy, sleep-deprived child suffering from eczema and can't really rationalise or maybe understand what's going on. Research is edging ever closer to better treatments. Skin with eczema has lower levels of a specific oil, a lipid molecule called ceramide. There are products available that contain this waxy lipid, which helps physically seal the broken epidermis and limit the eczema symptoms. All right, that brings us to the end of this show. Skin inflammatory research is so fascinating and so multifaceted. Not only is there the point of being comfortable in one's skin, quite literally, but also the psychosocial impact of having red, inflamed, flaky skin that you're not happy about can be massive. And so for this reason, I think I'm going to name this part one of skin inflammation because it's just too rich of a topic to limit it to one show. I thank you for your listenership. I send my best wishes and I'll talk to you next time.